pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 290. Today I'm going to chat with Raul Mendez, discuss a 2A win in California, highlight a new rifle from BNT, and talk about PAD's recent win. I am your host, Ava Flannell. Raul, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Of course. Okay, so before we get into it, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson. If you guys are looking for a new competition pistol, I would definitely recommend the competitor. It's what I've been using lately and I love it. And I actually kind of switched off and went with another gun recently and you could definitely feel a difference. And I'm like, okay, nope, I want to go back to the competitor because it just shot so much better. It has a five inch barrel with a nice long sight radius and milder recoil, which that is what I definitely felt the most shooting, you know, another gun kind of similar in size. It has the flared magwell to help reloads faster, has aggressive lightning cuts to reduce the weight in specific spots to improve recoil, comes optic ready and includes a fiber optic front sight and blackout rear sights. The mag release is oversized and reversible, and it has the same textured front strap and interchangeable palm swells as the regular M2.0s, so you can change that if you have small or larger hands. It comes in either tungsten gray or black, and... You can get them with 17-round mags or 10-round mags if you live in restricted states. The competitor is MSRP on that is $9.99, which is pretty good when you think about all the stuff that you get, uh, especially for a competition gun. If you guys want to check this out, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Okay, Raul, I'm really interested in hearing about your story. I don't know if I actually have heard of your story, and I'm also assuming that there's probably quite a few listeners that haven't either, but before we start talking about you know, everything that's happened with you, give me a little bit about your background and, you know, kind of... I guess everything that kind of led you up to where you are now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, so I was born and raised in California up until I was like 19, 20. I just decided like I just had to get out of there. It was such a gun restricted state. Honestly, I just, I feel like I just didn't fit in. I was, you know, a gun enthusiast since I was a small child. My dad introduced me to firearms at a very, very young age taught me gun safety, you know, just pretty much taught me everything he knew. Mm-hmm. By the time I got of age and I wanted to own a firearm and, you know, I wanted to carry, California didn't really allow that. So, you know, at that age, I just packed up my things and just left. Uh, came to Arizona, such a, you know, gun friendly or Second Amendment friendly state. Yeah. Settled down here and pretty much this is where I've been my whole you know, who it's been like 14, 15 years already since I've been here. So that's pretty much what kind of led me up to just carry on a daily. Uh, again, like I said, it's such a, you know, Second Amendment friendly state has a constitutional carry. 
And so it was just something that I was just doing religiously, just carrying on a daily everywhere I went. And, you know, it it just, you know, it it felt good. And, you know, it's definitely being a law abiding citizen. I definitely took advantage of that freedom. And after what happened July 3rd of last year, uh, you can tell that that carry or that freedom definitely paid off. Go ahead and walk us through, if you don't mind, what happened on July 3rd. Yeah, so July 3rd, you know, long weekend. It was a Sunday. I get a call from a buddy, you know, inviting us to, you know, the family night to go hang out, have some food and, you know, go celebrate our freedom since, you know, nobody went to work the next day that following Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, of course, I accepted the invitation. We went. I had my pregnant wife, my two daughters. It was nothing but people that I've already known, you know, friends and family. You know, we were all having such a great time. And so I would say about eight, nine o'clock hits at night. And one of the friends uh, had some fireworks. So we went to the front yard, light up some fireworks. We're having a good time. And some neighbor that we never met actually comes over to us and introduces himself you know, make small talk. And, you know, he mentions to us that he's a army veteran, current army recruiter here in our city of surprise. And, you know, we thank them for his service. And, you know, it was great to have somebody, you know, another patriot, you know, they're celebrating with us. Mm -hmm. As time goes, you know, we run out of fireworks, people start getting hungry. So we start heading back to the house. Uh, small groups, you know, just start heading back. And I guess he makes his way inside the house. I honestly, I can't personally say I don't remember Mm -hmm. if he was invited or not, or like, hey, come inside. But he appears into the house. And, you know, the host, you know, being a good friendly neighbor, you know, invites them to some food, some drink, you know, come have a seat. And so he accepts. And he sits down and, you know, he starts eating and, and just unprovoked, just unexpectedly, he was at the uh, kitchen island, just sitting on a bar stool, empty seat next to him, my wife, you know, next to that empty seat, there was another female there and two of my friends sitting or standing across from him. I mean, like I said, with unprovoked, with no reason unexpectedly he just kind of gets up from his seat pulls out a semi-automatic pistol and just starts shooting at all of us wow don't really understand why uh first victim was a dear friend uh carl literally did not expect it but he just puts one bullet straight to his throat wow Uh, he dies instantly right there just dropped to the ground and you know the sad thing is you know, it turned from a family, friends, you know, amazing day, mm-hmm. the most horrific day of our lives. You know, my wife got to literally see that firsthand. She was pregnant. You know, she couldn't drink anything. So she was just completely, you know, sober, mm-hmm. nothing. Just, you know, that's something that she's going to remember for the rest of her life. So, she saw our dear friend Carl just drop to his knees and just drop to the floor. I'm probably about 10 feet away in the dining area with my back turned mm-hmm. 
towards uh, what had just had happened. As soon as I hear that first gunshot, I turn to my right shoulder and the shooter just pops one in my head, literally goes on the right side of my head near my earlobe and just goes right through and shatters my jaw, my eye socket, shatters my nose and comes out my left eye. Wow. Well, that happened. My wife, as soon as our friend got shot, she looks over to me and then just sees that bullet strike me. So she literally saw two bullets, you know, hit two mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hit the ground, you know, I drop on my knees. My wife runs to me. She runs to me and tries to get me up like we need to get out. We need to get out. And I'm with no strength, mm-hmm. no nothing. I cannot get up. She turns my head over so I can look at her and all she sees is a fountain of blood just just pouring out of my face. So she pretty much decides, you know, my husband is dead. Now I got to go take care of my babies. You know, Mm -hmm. our two daughters were playing in the uh, one of the bedrooms with all the kids. So tunnel vision, she makes her way to that bedroom and just tells the girls, tells everybody, you know, they're saying like, what's going on? We hear this yelling, we hear, you know, this mayhem. And she just tells them, hey, be quiet. Don't say anything. She puts them in the closet, throws clothes on top of them. You know, my daughters are still questioning, where's daddy? Where's daddy? And, you know, the only thing my wife can tell them is, I don't know. I haven't seen him. He's probably outside. I don't know. You know, she just had Mm -hmm. to really get into that mode of just, you know, taking control and I'm going to protect these kids. You know, it was my two daughters and three other, three other children that she threw in that closet to try to protect them. She then uh, moves a dresser in front of the door and just tries to barricade the door and just waits patiently in fear, waiting for that gunman to come in and just, you know, kill her Mm -hmm. and possibly find those children and kill them. As this is happening, the gunman, uh, he makes his way towards the living room where you have a group of, you know, just friends just trying to run out that front door. So what he decides to do is he just starts shooting at everybody that's trying to run out that front door. You know, he shot people in the shoulder, you know, in the arm, in the leg, and actually the next victim... Uh, He was shot in the leg, so he couldn't make it out the front door. So as he's crawling on the floor, you know, just like on all fours, Mm -hmm. the gunman decides to just go up to him and just execute him. Wow. Puts a bullet in the top of his head and just ends his life right there. You know, both of these friends, you know, they were fathers, husbands. And, you know, honestly, what breaks my heart is just these children, these wives that are out of one day or one minute from another, you know, they lost somebody so dear, somebody so close, you know, such a good person, happy person that just brought joy into our lives. So, so as soon as he, you know, just takes him out, the second victim, he makes his way into the master bedroom where, you know, the homeowner or the host, his wife was locked in there, barricaded with uh, two other women. Mm-hmm. And two children. So she had locked that door. So he tries to just shoot down the door and break his way through. And that's where, you know, Mama Bear there decides, like, you know what? It's either 
I put my hands down here and we all die or I'm going to fight. I'm not giving out without a fight. So she gathers whatever strength and will she has left. And she actually tries to take that gun from the gunman. You know, they wrestle there. And as a wrestling, she remembers or she knows that I, you know, carry a concealed weapon, you know, religiously. So she starts yelling out my name. Little does she know that I was just shot in the head and most likely dead mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So one of the other women in the closet actually comes out to the rescue. She finds an AR-15, but she couldn't load it. You know, no training, nothing like that. Mm. So she does the best thing and just comes out with that rifle and just, you know, intervenes and just starts striking the gunman, you know, with the with the buttstock of that rifle. So they both try to wrestle him off and, you know, try to protect themselves and protect the children that are in that closet hiding. As soon as that happens, uh, I mean, it was a a miracle. I get up, you know, I woke up. I get up from the floor and that's where I had to make a decision. You know, run out the back and front door like everybody else or make my way towards that, you know, that bedroom or towards those screams and, you know, do the right thing. That's where, of course, you know, where any loving father any loving friend, you know, loving husband would do and definitely went towards those screens. Mm-hmm. You know, I pulled out my concealed weapon. And as soon as I saw the shooter, I just put four shots in him and I just took him out right there. Wow. From what the detective said is uh, two of the shots hit his heart. So, you know, he died instantly. And that right there is what stopped that massacre from continuing, from him finding you know, those children locked away in the master or finding my daughters or those other children and my wife hiding in the other bedroom. Mm-hmm. So that ended, you know, the the massacre right there. Wow. How crazy. You know, what also is crazy is like, I actually hadn't heard about your story, but I mean, maybe it was more local. Was it? I mean, like, did the media cover it quite a bit or not really? Not really. Of course, you know, you got the media that want to cover it. They kind of keep it local, Mm -hmm. but nothing really, nothing went national. Of course, when you get a good guy with the gun. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not in the agenda, you know, to show all of America, the importance of our second amendment, you know, the importance of caring for self-defense of protecting your family, your loved ones. You know, the agenda right now is to disarm America, Mm -hmm. you know, arm other countries, but disarm America, you know, bring Americans down to their knees on the mercy of their government. You know, so it, it, it wasn't it wasn't until, you know, I got out of the hospital. I had one reporter that was consistently reaching out that wanted to cover my story. He was with Fox News here in Phoenix. So eventually I gave them, you know, the opportunity to go into the studio and give them an exclusive first interview. And Mm -hmm. I did. Of course, that did not go national. That was just, you know, local. Mm -hmm. So pretty much the story had just died down right there. That's where I actually reached out or a really close cousin that I consider him a brother reached out and said, hey, like, you know, this is a very important story. Like it must be heard. It must be told. 
And, you know, we had such a long chat and he actually lives out probably about 10, 15 minutes away from the NRA headquarters. And he personally went in there, tried to speak to whoever he could about my story. And I mean, within that same day, if not that next morning, I had emails, you know, with CC, all these executives and people from the NRA to me saying like, hey, we want a Zoom interview like ASAP. And so we did that. By the next Friday, I had people from the NRA flying in from Virginia here to Arizona, you know, to meet me, to, uh, you know, make a video, collaborate with me, you know, definitely a story that needs to be heard. After that, that's like when my story actually started picking up pace and traction and started, you know, you know, started being heard by, you know, more Americans. I I could say now it's been heard by millions of Americans. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as many as, you know, that should have, you know, be hearing the story. But yeah, after that, I mean, I started jumping on other podcasts. I know Tucker Carlson reached out and I did a, I did a, an interview with Tucker Carlson. I've spoke at our state's capital, uh, second amendment rally. And, you know, my, my story starting to pick up, but of course, you know, it, it's up to me to really push and push and push to get the story to continue to be heard because it just seems like mainstream media just continually wants to just shut down this story because mm-hmm. they just again don't want people to hear yeah about exactly a yeah absolutely i'm gonna take a quick break real quick talk about mantis The X10, I don't know if you've ever used Mantis dry fire device, but I really like the X10. It's the latest generation of like the shooting performance systems. It's smaller and lighter than previous versions and has a stronger battery life. It's the only shooting measurement tool around that does both dry and live fire. In addition, it also does holster draw analysis and works with archery. The sensors in the little module tell you about your trigger squeeze and what you're doing wrong and how to fix it. They have you covered with handguns, shotguns, rifles, and even bow and arrow. If you want to check this out, head on over to mantisx.com. Let's talk about your road to recovery because I have to, I mean, well, kind of let's backtrack a little bit. So after the gunman was taken down, then tell me what happened. I'm assuming, you know, somebody called 911, ambulance shows up, they, you know, render aid and all that, correct? Yeah, definitely. So Actually, somebody that had ran out the house uh, came back in, you know, after the whole aftermath. And I guess I was just standing there, you know, of course, you know, I had just been shot. I'm bleeding out. And so he goes to the bedroom where my wife is and he starts banging on the door like, hey, come out, come out. The shooter's gone. The shooter's gone. Like, he's dead. He's dead. And my wife is just like, of course, you know, like disbelief like no yeah like who is this like no like i don't want to die <laughs> you know mm-hmm. no come out it's me i even have you know ex little boy with me and he's you know talking and so she kind of recognizes the voice and he's like no like your husband raul killed the shooter and my wife's like what the heck i saw my husband die like what the hell is he talking about my husband raul killed the shooter mm-hmm. like no raul killed the shooter and so she finally moves the dresser out of the way and comes out and like, what the hell? Like, yeah, she sees a friendly face, you know, a friendly, one of the kids. And she looks over to the left and she sees me standing at the end of the hallway. 
And the only thing she can tell me after is what, you know, pretty much what she thought, you know, she just felt like it was in a movie. She just saw like a standing zombie, you know, I'm covered in blood, like massive blood. Like she's telling me like, you'll be surprised how much blood the human body can hold. Cause there was so much blood of yours when I saw you got shot. And when you were standing, like every square inch of your body was red. Mm. Like it was just something like, she was just in disbelief. But of course, when she saw it was me, you know, she grabs the girls and let's go with daddy. And, you know, they all run like they didn't care what blood, biohazard or anything I had. They just had this huge relief that, you know, I'm still standing. They hug me. They hug me like it, it was just like what she told me. It was just like the most amazing thing. Like, you know, God had answered her prayers, you know. Mm -hmm. Wow. So. She grabs my arm, wraps it around, you know, her, you know, her shoulder and everything to carry me out. And we don't go through the front door. We actually, since that hallway leads to the garage door mm -hmm. that leads to them, you know, uh, we walk out through there. And, and, you know, as soon as we go out, that's when the PD shows up. You know, of course, you know, when the aftermath, you know, they can't make it yeah. that quick. You know, yeah. The response time is not instantly. So they just show up and what they see is. A man covered in blood with a female covered in my blood and me with a, you know, a Glock in my hand. So, of course, you know, they don't know what's going on. They all point their guns at me, start yelling, you know, drop my weapon. I'm confused as hell. You know, I'm trying to keep my balance. I'm trying to stay up. I'm trying to stay alive, you know, yeah. from all that blood I had lost. So I'm not listening. And finally, my wife like grabs my face and turns me, drop your gun. You're going to get shot. Drop your gun now. You're okay now. So I throw my gun and finally they come and she's telling the cops, it's my husband. He's been shot. You know, he's been shot. Help him, please. You know? So finally they run in, they sweep the house and the whole aftermath of, you know, the cops being there. I'm bleeding out. And they actually tell my wife and I to go wait across the street on the other corner and sit down on the curb and wait. Wow. Which is, you know, pretty unfortunate. You know, I, I would expect they see a victim shot to the head, bleeding mm -hmm. out. But, you know, at least, hey, you two or you take care of him, grab him, mm -hmm. you know, find out where the paramedics are or something. Nope. Get out of here. Go sit over there. Wow. That's where, you know, we're sitting there and I'm just like leaning over to my wife and, you know, my wife uh, FaceTimes my my sister-in-law, which my brother's wife. They become pretty close over the years. And, you know, I'm very close with my brother. She got very close with, you know, my brother's wife. So he FaceTimes and, you know, she's being hysterical and they, they answer. And my brother and. My sister-in-law just like, what the heck is going on? Like, what just happened? And she finally says, like, you know what? Raul's been shot. He's been shot in the head. And that's just like, that's what led to the whole family. You know, my siblings, my parents finding out. It just trickled down, you know, mm -hmm. you know, with my brother. But him just seeing that and just seeing my face, like, that was just something that, you know, he just went crazy because... You know, growing up, my brother at a young age, he was probably like six or seven. You know, he saw our oldest sibling, you know, pass away. And, you know, 
to him just seeing another sibling, you know, bleeding out and possibly dying, you know. Yeah. He, he just kind of went insane there. Finally, you know, he gathered his things and just started driving out here from Northern California, 11, 12 hour drive and just made it out here. But eventually, you know, they hang up the phone and my wife just watching me like, I want to go to sleep. And I'm just leaning over like I'm tired. I want to go to sleep that she finally gets up and runs over to the cops and says, hey, my purse is in there. Either one of you takes my husband now before he dies and it's on you. Or let me get my purse because I'm fucking take. Sorry, excuse my language. Or oh, no, I'm you can taking it. You know, or I'm taking him. Yeah. And that's finally one of the cops like, you know what? Okay, take him. So they put me in the back of a cop car and drove me to the hospital. Wow. Never. There was no ambulance that was ever called that ever showed up. Uh, they showed up from what I heard after. Wow. After I, I ambulance showed up. Uh, the crazy thing is that. There's a hospital literally like a mile away. You know, the, the big hospital here in our city is a mile away from where it happened. So they admitted me to the hospital, you know, looking at medical records. They did scans, you know, stop, you know, address the wounds and, you know, try to stop the bleeding, did scans. And then they air me to a trauma center, probably about eight miles away. So they just, you know. They air me there, and that's where they, again, you know, ran more tests, see where the bullet struck or if it, making sure it didn't struck nothing major. So that was Sunday night, Monday morning, and I didn't have surgery until Wednesday or Thursday. No, yeah, Wednesday, I believe. So that's when I actually went into surgery uh, where they did a complete removal of my left eye. Uh, reconstructed my face, everything that was shattered, and just closed everything up, and and that was that. Uh, what I do remember is waking up from the hospital the next day or after surgery, where like everything felt like a dream, like like a dream, like that. That's all I can explain. Like, you know, that's it. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, waking up in the hospital, realizing that you know it was not a dream that it actually happened. You know, I was kind of, you know, I was scared, mm -hmm. of course. You know, who who died? You know, I, I, I didn't see the two friends die, you know. I don't know who died. And that's when my wife, like, literally, I woke up and she was right there. You know, you know, Carl died. And, you know, Conrad died. And the shooter died. You killed them. And, you know, just knowing that, that I, you know, I, I, I've never gone through this. I'm not a killer. I'm a loving person. Mm -hmm. I'm a happy person. And, you know, but just knowing that I helped, you know, stop that threat and just protected my family, that literally gives me peace of mind to push forward and gives me hope that, you know, there is better in this world, that there is a God that there is a higher power that lifted me up from my, you know, from the floor, from the ground, from bleeding up and, you know, gave me a second chance at life. And honestly, just feeling blessed that I was going to meet my newborn daughter in the next few months. And I'm going to be alive for that. And I can still see her because I can still see out of my one eye, you know, and I just wanted to get off that bed. Yeah. You know, 
I needed to use the restroom and I had a catheter and I'm like, hey, pull this out. I'm getting up. I need to go to, get to the bathroom. I'm not using this, you know? Mm-hmm. So they pulled it out. No, you can lay down. I'm like, nope. My brother was there too. I told him, I'm getting up. I don't care what they say. I'm getting up and I'm going to pee. So my brother housed me and I pee and I tell my brother, hey, I want to walk. I want to walk like now. Nah, you can't know. I want to walk. I'm going to walk either make it happen or I'm going to do it on my own. So he tells one of the nurses, hey, he wants to walk. And they're like, no, he can't. He's like, he's going to walk regardless. You know, you're going to have to restrain him or something if you don't want him to walk. So get somebody to help him walk. So they got physical therapists and I walked the whole third floor. You know, they're trying to like balance me and I'm just like trying to push them off. Like I got this on my own. And I'm trying to walk faster and faster. I want to run, you know, I want to run. And I make the whole third floor and I tell them I want to do it again. And they're like, nah, you proved yourself, Iron Man. And that's what they nicknamed me at the hospital, Iron Man. So they're like, at at this rate, you've proven yourself. They're going to have double check the wound and how the surgery went. But if everything's well, like, we'll, we'll discharge you tonight, if not tomorrow. And I'm like, great. That's what I want to hear. So they kept their word. I was discharged actually the following day, midday. And I came home. Wow. And what was the permanent damage that came of this? So I lost my sense of smell. My left eye was completely, you know, damaged. So they did a complete eye nucleation where they pretty much removed the whole eye. Let's see. Parts of my face are numb. They say within six months to a year, if it doesn't come back, it's permanent, you know, nerve damage. I'm not going to get that sensation or that feeling back. So, you know, partially my face is numb. My right eardrum, not from, it didn't strike my eardrum, my right eardrum, but the impact pretty much blew a hole, Mm. you know, into my right eardrum. So loss of hearing there Uh, since... My right side of my face is numb. It's hard to blink, like blink completely. So my only good eye doesn't get well lubricated. So I get, you know, blurred vision from time to time where I have to keep putting eye drops to keep that lubricated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Permanent, not sure, but my jaw, the right side of my jaw was shattered. It took me hours and hours and days and weeks and months of painful, painful exercises of trying to stretch my mouth open because I was only able to open it just enough to not even fit a teaspoon in there. I would eat applesauce and I would try to like slurp it off the spoon because I couldn't open my mouth far enough to fit a spoon in there. Dang. Uh, That was painful. That was probably one of the worst, stretching my jaw open, excruciating pain. Mm -hmm. Uh... Let's see. Migraines. Don't know if it's permanent. I'm hoping not. Have you been getting them often? About three, four times a week in the last hours. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. I've been going through, I have like, I've had a migraine for a week and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I feel you on that. It's it, it's horrible, those migraines. And mm-hmm. I did go in, they dis, uh, get me to get an MRI scan in my brain to see if there was any damage or anything like that. But unfortunately, I cannot get an MRI because I still have metal fragments in my head mm. right next to blood vessels. So Dang. 
I'm going back to see my neurologist and see what's the next game plan is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get vertigo from time to time. Uh, what they're saying it could possibly be because of an imbalance of the, you know, of my body from my eardrum being blown. Mm-hmm. So I have that. Wow. Uh, PTSD, I do have, mm-hmm. but nothing like, nothing like crazy, like where I get these, you know, negative thoughts about people or nothing like that. It's just mainly that I feel like I'm a freaking guard dog at mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. everywhere I am. I get, you know, I start hyperventilating when there's too many people mm-hmm. and I just want to get the hell out of there. Yeah. You know, for out, I just feel like who's going to pull out a gun or who's, you know, who's going to come and try to get us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I can again, really understand. You know, I got two dogs here, but I feel like I'm the actual guard dog of this house. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Caldwell. If you spend a lot of time in the range, Caldwell has a new set of ear pro that you can check out, especially if you have a big range. Their Emax Pro BT comms. It combines their Emax ear pro with ambient noise amplification so that you can hear those around you with Bluetooth communication. It lets you chat with others who, you know, are using the same ear pro on the range. And you could also listen to music. If you pair it with the Emax link, it lets multiple users communicate up to 12 miles line of sight, which is pretty far. And the muffs have adjustable microphone boom and a headband designed to be comfortable while wearing a hat. And they're also mount compatible for a helmet. They're releasing soon. They're going to be $169.99. And then the Emax link is only $67.99. But Either way, if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off, and that is CaldwellShooting.com. I kind of want to go back and talk about some of the things that happen. So, like, for example, I think you were carrying a Glock 36, right? Yes. And because, you know, people like I'm a firearms instructor and we get to teach people all day long, like, you know, what to possibly expect if you're ever in an attack and, you know, what's going to happen and you're going to get, you know, that tunnel vision, you know, that you may not be able to hear things that well or you a lot of details suddenly become very like, you know, you're you can almost like a microscope and just lots of weird things come about this. Yeah. But do you remember any of those or even like, I don't know. I mean, so you said you were shot and then you kind of like went to sleep. You're kind of out of it for a second and then you like wake up and then get up and then go and take on the gunman. But like, what right. are some, what are some of the details that you kind of remember from all of that? I'm not going to get much into details with that, but I will tell you in, in from my experience, what to look for in a firearm and how I would carry mm-hmm. no safety. I don't mm-hmm. believe in safety. Your safety is the trigger. Yep. In a life or death situation, having a safety on is just one more step to remember. Or, of course, in my situation, if you were shot, I don't think I would have remembered or mm-hmm. had the motor skills to actually remove a safety. Yeah. And having one up in the chamber. Yeah. I mean, the importance of that. I've always carried one up in the chamber. I mean, if you fear 
that you're going to shoot yourself for having one up in the chamber. I mean, then get more lessons because <laughs> yeah, get I, more lessons. I teach exactly. the same thing. I'm like, at the end of the day, like you could have all the safeties in the world, but the more safeties, the more room for error. And you are going to be your biggest safety. Like keep your gun pointing in a safe direction. It's not going to hurt anybody. Keep your finger off the trigger. It's not going to go off. Like, like said, say, you know, you're more likely to shoot yourself when you're reholstering your, your firearm. Yeah. That's when, you know, that's when it happens. Which is dumb because you need to be, you know, extremely mindful right. and like look at your holster and make sure it's clear of right. any, you know, so that shouldn't right. be. But would you say, I don't know. So I'm like just curious, like even when you line up your sights or you just literally just like pull the gun out and point and shoot or like, I don't know. There's just so many things that I think you go through your mind and I don't think we can, we can train as much as we want. Like we can, and I'm definitely saying train and, you know, get comfortable because I do think a lot of it goes out the window when you are in a self-defense situation. And there's just a lot of things that happen that you don't plan for. Exactly. So a lot of things go out the window when you're in that situation. That's where training is important. I mean, I've never had professional training. I was not, you know, any law enforcement or or anything. So Mm -hmm. I've never had professional training. My training was just, you know, going out to shoot things that my dad taught me, you know, just, I guess, practicing on my own, watching videos, practicing on my own. I'm not saying that's the best way to do it because I definitely do regret not having professional training because now that I am, uh, I can pretty much count a handful of mistakes that I was doing. Mm-hmm. But the training that I did have definitely, you know, really helped me out. And that was just, you know, pointing the gun center mass and letting them have it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And just how you hold uh, your firearm, you know, is key just you know those, those little small little details so going back to the basics so mm-hmm. you know you master the basics you pretty much have a big portion covered if you're ever in a life or death situation yeah do you think that the one woman who didn't know how to load the rifle was that kind of life-changing for her like has she gotten any gun training since then or honestly i i do not know hmm. i haven't spoken to to many of them in a while it's also just so weird that this guy just pops out of nowhere and then just automatically just like stands up and decides i mean that's like something you know because people like so recently i've been fighting a lot against a lot of these proposed gun bills and and like getting a little bit more political and it's just crazy some of these laws that these people want to push and i look at it and i'm like i don't even think that that would solve it like at the end of the day I don't know why we're not doing more for like mental health, but I mean, I guess that's, I don't know. It's just crazy. Those gun bills are not meant to solve crime. Yeah. It's meant to disarm for anything. It's meant to disarm, Mm -hmm. you know, law by citizens and that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no other explanation. I mean, gun free zones, for example, does that really disarm the bad guys? Do they read a sign and say, oh, you know what? I can't have a gun here. I'm not going to commit a crime here. Mm-hmm. Let me turn around, go back to my car and rethink or reevaluate. Mm-hmm. No, it does not. All it does, it's keep, it keeps law-abiding citizens vulnerable to an attack there. Because the bad guy sees, like, hey, law-abiding citizens, you know, they're law-abiding. 
they don't want to get arrested. So most likely 90 something percent of the time, they're not going to have their firearm there because they follow the rules. So what do they do? Let me go shoot that place up. Let me go commit a crime there. Let me go commit some theft, some whatever it is going down to their their little heads. But it's not meant for criminals. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, all these gun bans and, you know, there, there's always going to be firearms. They can ban, you know, like the whole, you know, stabilizing brace thing. You know, all of a sudden, 10 to 40 million Americans are going to become, you know, felons overnight. Yep. You know, criminalizing these law abiding citizens. But then the criminals are still going to have them. Mm hmm. You know, they're still going to have them. So who are they really disarming? They're disarming us, the people. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Again, like like I've always said, you know, gun control is not about guns. It's strictly just about control. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about BSF barrels. guys, they are our newest advertiser. And I've used BSF barrels for quite a few years now. If you guys notice any carbon fiber looking barrels on my guns, that is from BSF barrels. They make some freaking awesome stuff. Not only do they look great, but they actually work so well. You would think that the barrel was like wrapped in carbon fiber. It's not. Basically, I would say Their barrels are kind of the same weight class as like a low profile barrel, but because of the carbon fiber like sleeving, they're rigid like a bull barrel. So they're incredibly accurate, which is kind of the whole reasoning behind it. The barrels are tuned down to low profiles, but the coil wrapped carbon fiber sleeve loads it under tension to give you the heavy barrel rigidity without the weight. Also, 95% of the carbon fiber doesn't touch the barrel and has ventilation slots to cool the barrel faster. The result is that it performs like a heavy barrel without the extra weight. They have barrels for AR-15s, AR-10s. They even have it in like chambered in 9mm. And then they also have bolt actions in a bunch of different calibers as well. Check it out, bsfbarrels.com, and use the code ELITE15, all one word, E-L-I-T-E-15, and that's going to get you 15% off. You've also started getting into politics since then, correct? Since all of this has happened? Not too much into politics. Of course, that's something to consider in the future. Have you, course, have you testified it, against any bills or anything like that? I have not. Okay. So the only thing I'm just currently doing is just speaking up, being that living proof, you know, about you know, guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens save lives, you know, Mm -hmm. stories that we really don't hear about. Yeah. And so that's mainly what I'm speaking on now. But we'll see what the future holds. Mm -hmm. The reason why I ask is because since testifying, it seems like the other side that are like, they're all anti-gun, they all come up with like emotional stories like, you know, my son fell victim to a mass shooting or my son committed suicide or my daughter committed suicide or... You know, I was at Sandy Hook when this happened. And so it's like they try to plead to your emotions, which just annoys me because, I mean, I don't think that, you know, I mean, if you're emotional, it's fine to have emotions and express emotions and feel sad and stuff. But 
I feel like a lot of times it kind of blurs the reality of things. And I feel like that's what they're doing. And they're trying to, you know, win things by putting emotion into it. So it's almost like when you come in and you're living proof that like, yeah, if you are armed, you have a chance of survival. And especially with somebody with a gun. And so it's almost like, you know, they hate to hear stories like yours, which is also another reason why I'm sure the media, you know, didn't publish it as much. Right. Well, if you have more info of how I can get into that and definitely help the cause and how I can get started, that would definitely be something that would interest me. If we can have a chat later on, if you have at least any information, appoint me to the right direction. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that that would be great. And even though Arizona is a pretty gun friendly estate, I've been telling it people, is, but uh, everything is on the line right now. It's like spreading like a disease, like a and disease. Especially with the with the new governor, Katie Hobbs. I mean, she definitely stole that election from Carrie Lake, mm-hmm. and she's already trying to step in. And uh, I mean, I just don't want Arizona to turn like California, which mm-hmm. it looks like that's the direction it's heading to. So. You know, there definitely has to be more people to, we have plenty, but, you know, the more, the merrier. We know Mm -hmm. we need more people to fight, you know, fight the left and that are trying to disarm us, trying to take our freedom away. Because, I mean, honestly, we have many freedoms, but how do we protect those freedoms? Our Second Amendment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, wrapping up. So do you have any future plans that you can share with us? Uh. Really no future plans. I mean, and if you guys want to just follow my story, follow my my journey, uh, I do post a lot on my social media, Instagram. You know, you guys can follow me at GA110 underscore ENT. That's on my Instagram, Facebook, everything. Also, that's my website that you can find all the links to, you know, all my social media pages, YouTube, you know, my GoFundMe, if you guys definitely want to help support as of right now, that's pretty much what we're relying on, just the support of the people, you know, other patriots that, you know, believe in the Second Amendment and definitely want to help support. So, yeah, again, it's just www.ga110ent.com or on the media platform, just put an underscore between the 110 and the ENT, and those are my pages. So, yeah, I mean, only plans is just definitely just keep the fight, keep telling my story, letting America know, you know, I'm not going to stop until every single American, you know, knows my story and at least knows of one living proof that, you know, guns in the hands of law abiding citizens, you know, do save lives. And, Mm -hmm. you know, most people don't know that. And I'm not going to stop until every American at least heard of my story or knows of one living proof that this is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate your time and appreciate your courage. And I think you're amazing. And I mean, your wife and children should be very proud, your family as well, everyone. So thank you for doing that. And I know you're busy, so I'm not going to keep you for the rest of the show, but I do appreciate it. And I will definitely reach out to you and I'll let you know how you can start, you know, being more politically active. And I think if anybody else is interested, feel free to reach out to me as well, because I definitely think that we need all hands on deck. Uh, if you or anybody listening is going to be at the uh, the NRA annual meeting this year, which is April 13th or that weekend of the 13th. So that Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I will definitely be there. 
mean, don't hesitate to come say hi and have a chat, you know, just would love to meet more like-minded people. Awesome. Okay. Yep, definitely. And I'll be there too. So I look forward to meeting you in person. Likewise. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And moving on with the rest of the show, I have Jon Snow joining me. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So I'm actually glad you're here because I have a horrible migraine and I'm going to have you take over the political segment. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Tell us what's going on in the world of politics today. Yeah. So this last week we had uh, initially people thought it was Judge Benitez again doing his great stuff in California, but it wasn't Judge Benitez. It was another judge, Judge Carney in the Central District of California. And he granted a preliminary injunction in the case of Bullen versus Bonta. And basically what that is, is a case that's challenging the constitutionality of California's approved handgun roster. So the list of these are the only handguns as a normal person in California that you can buy. So that roster, basically, I think there's a total of 852 guns listed on that, but there's no modern guns, you know, other than, so Franklin Armory, they just recently developed the CA-320 and got it on the roster. That's the first modern gun of any form that got onto the list in 15 years, I think it was. Wow. And they did that through, you know, Franklin Armory being very clever, skirting around the rules of legality with things like that. And so the CA-320 is basically a SIG 320, except they made it single shot. And by being single shot, that exempted it from the requirement of having all these other new requirements. So they updated the approved handgun roster law a couple years ago. And one of the things that it requires is micro stamping. We all know micro stamping technology doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so it's effectively a ban on any new firearms being there because it just doesn't work. So this law is challenging the legality, the constitutional legality of the microstamping requirement, the loaded chamber indicator, and magazine disconnectors, which prevented a lot of other guns from being added to the list. You couldn't even submit them for testing. So this is just a preliminary injunction, but the judge has granted the preliminary injunction against it. It's going to go into effect, I believe, 14 days from his decision, mm -hmm. short of a challenge by the state. I do expect the state will challenge it and want a bigger panel of the court to hear it. Being in California, it probably will get an injunction against that decision granted, or stay of decision, actually, technically in this case. But on the face of it, you know, the legality of it's clear. Mm -hmm. Post Bruin, if you follow the Bruin directives, it's absolutely unconstitutional for that law. So it's definitely a good thing going forward for California. This one will settle out here in just a couple of weeks, whether or not they'll be able to start buying stuff right away. But yeah, it's very good decision from California. And yeah. especially with the other looming decisions on the assault weapon ban and magazine ban that should be dropping any time now from Benitez. Yeah, things mm -hmm. are looking good for California. Yeah, definitely. Can you imagine being a resident of California and you finally get the green light and you can buy whatever you want? 
I would just be yeah. like, okay, time to empty that bank account. <laughs> yep. But all right, well, that's good news. All right, so I have some exciting news. We have a new sponsor, Gators iPro. Gators, if you guys remember, I had Scott on the show back in December or January. I think it was December. And we talked about the products and how long the company's been around and stuff. And like I said, I had some hands-on opportunity with their stuff when I went to Florida with Smith & Wesson. And I just really liked their products. And it was just really good quality. They have aluminum frames. So you can not only do they, as a result, they don't allow your ear pro, like if you're wearing the earmuffs, like push onto the temples of your face, but you could also adjust it so that it fits well. And then you can also adjust the nose pieces. So really you could adjust it accordingly to your face shape and it's really comfortable good quality. It's not like, you know, it's going to get like scratched up easily. It's, you know, made from that aluminum. Um, and then not to mention their lenses are also highly rated for, I think it could take a, what was it? 15 caliber projectile at 700 feet per second without yeah, cracking. Yeah. They're mil, they're mil spec ballistic lenses. Those things are legit. Yeah. So if you guys want to check it out, head on over to Gators, that's G-A-T-O-R-Z.com forward slash Ava. And if you click on that link, you use that, you know, forward slash Ava, you're automatically going to get 15% off your order. And then I have some pretty good news for the future, but I'll wait to tell you guys that. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right. Q&A today was how is testifying on the gun control bills the second time compared to the first? I did testify like a week and a half ago, and this time I did it virtually because I have so much stuff going on. And it still, I think I was on hold for like 11 hours before I could Ugh. testify for the bill SB 168, which is the one that I'm really, really against. I mean, I'm against all of them, but 168 is just total BS. And it was just really interesting to see because once again, just like last time, you know, they didn't have a lot of people that were in favor of the bill, like all the other bills they do. And they have the Moms Demand Action people and Giffords, whatever, you know. They have those all lined up, but it's still like the people who opposed it outweighed the people that wanted it to pass. And yet they still passed it. And it was really frustrating. But I do have a few plans up my sleeve. I think if it, you know, if it does get passed and it becomes law, then I want to bring on a lawsuit and I want to do some fundraising and maybe some raffling. You know, I could get a lot of like companies to donate stuff to raffle off. But then I want to bring forth a lawsuit and I hate to say it, but I'm just kind of tired of these organizations relying on them to do it for us and to pick the lawyers and make sure that they're good lawyers and, you know, or that they even show up to these things. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of down the road, but I've been talking to Nephi Cole from NSSF and coming up with some ideas. And I think, you know, I think that that's what maybe we need to do. Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, if you guys, you know, there's lots of bills passing all over the United States. So it's really important more than ever. And I know I say this, but I swear with every week, it just gets worse and worse, but like really contact your representatives and 
just Google it. If you're not sure who, you know, I mean, just, you know, figure representatives for Colorado or governor for Colorado or, you know, just with a quick Google search and then you can find their phone number. And if you guys need help with any of that, let me know. Because like I said, it's really important to blow up their phones, write letters, write emails, all of that good stuff, and let them know that we disagree with it and that there is, you know, a lot of people who do. Yeah, we've got the same thing happening right now in Washington. I know, Washington's it's a mess. basically a clone of your bill, except there's a clause in it that's an emergency activation. So as soon as our piece of crap governor signs it, which, I mean, he absolutely will, he hates guns. It goes into effect immediately. Wow. So basically like next week, potentially, I might not be able to buy a pistol with a threaded barrel or any parts, you know. Wow. Yeah. That's freaking, it's disgusting. Honestly, it's disgusting because the people that are making these bills don't know anything about guns. Like a threaded barrel. Oh no, that's so deadly. You know, oh, these parts. They know absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. And just like in Colorado, more people show up opposing it and mm-hmm. yet they still push it through. I know it's because these idiots don't have jobs and they can or I'm pretty much a figure like I've been watching even like in when I testified virtually, I was watching some of the people on the screen. There's people sitting there with red shirts. They never once testified. And I'm like, they're literally getting paid by the hour just to sit there. I'm just yep. I'm not saying that this is fact, but if I had to, you know, guess that is kind of the direction that I think is, is what's happening. So there's been investigative journalists that have proved that that is the case on these Soros back. Yeah. Things like this it's really gross. All right. IWI. So last fall I got the Tavor X95 SBR. Thank goodness. Got the SBR. I don't have to worry about like a brace and stuff. I have to figure out what I'm going to do with all my stupid, all my, not my stupid guns, but all my guns with the braces on it, which again, guys, I can't reiterate enough. Like don't register. It's not a free tax stamp. If If you want an SBR, do the regular process because this carrot is a trap. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not doing any of it. I think I'm going, so I'm just turning them back into pistols. Yeah. You know? So I think for me, unfortunately, because I'm, you know, out in the public eye and people know what guns I have. So I'm just going to take the braces off because I'm not trying to like get into trouble right now. Um, It's like you kind of have to pick your battles and maybe, you know, BSF barrels. I'll put some longer barrels on it, longer handguard, maybe then keep the brace on it or take the brace completely off. I don't know. I haven't really figured it out yet, but I'm definitely not registering it. But anyways, back to the X95. So the SBR version has a 13-inch barrel, and it's only 22.8 inches overall. This thing is so nice. Like, it shoots really well, especially for a bullpup. The trigger on it is really nice. I think it's like five to six pounds. The controls are a little bit different than like your typical traditional AR controls on it. But you kind of get used to it pretty quickly. The one thing that's really funny, though, is it has such a healthy ejection, like with the casings as I shoot, that any of my camera guys, they always get hit with hot casings. I mean, these things fly out of nowhere. And then if you're next to it, it's super freaking loud, (laughs) but it's not loud for the shooter. So I love it. Maybe I'll put a different muzzle brake on it later on. Who knows? But it's just so much fun. But yeah, I would definitely recommend check out the X95, whether it's the SBR version or the rifle version, just so much fun. And then they're a blast. Yeah. 
And then if you find any accessories, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word. That's going to get you 15% off. And right now, Peaches is just losing her shit. She has the Zoomies in my office. And I'm just like, cool, Peaches, no big deal. I'm just trying to record a podcast and, you know, make sure that I could afford all the five meals that you eat a day. But no big deal. Let's just make noise and distract me. <laughs> I was going to say, is she scratching the microphone? <laughs> uh, well, she was. Sometimes she sits on my lap and she like licks her lips like she's like. And I'm like, OK, the microphone can pick up on that. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. B&T goes for a bigger blackout. Have you had a chance to check this out? Probably not in person, but... Not in person, yeah. I've seen previous versions of this, so... Actually, I think I'm pretty sure they had an early prototype of the advanced precision rifle at TriggerCon several years ago when we were there. Mm-hmm. And it's the sickest little, I mean, it's technically a rifle, but it's a pistol. And you can, depending on how you configure it, you get it one way or the other because it has this long integral suppressor. Mm-hmm. It's freaking awesome. It's, but it's bolt action, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's a bolt action, precision built, just beast of a gun. Looks amazing. And they have it in several different calibers. Like right now there's 300 blackout and I don't remember what the other ones are, but there's several calibers available. Oh, the 8.6 blackout, But right? this new one is the 8.6. So they're going for the bigger blackout that Q came out with this year. And that 8.6, it's basically the big brother to the 300 blackout. Mm-hmm. So 300 blackout, for example will do a 200 grain bullet just under the sound barrier so you can easy suppress it. 8.6 blackout, they built it from a 6.5 Creedmoor cartridge instead of a 5.56 and shortened it up. And it's got the powder to launch a 300 grain 338 bullet just under the sound barrier. So 100 grains more lead, same speed. The idea is subsonic tank that you can suppress and it's built uh, there's pictures of uh, like kevin can i down can i just say that was beaches who made that little uh pig snort (laughs) noise (laughs) sorry see she just did it again did you hear that i did (laughs) okay sorry five meal a day piglet i know (laughs) i didn't mean to cut you off i'm sorry I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that was not me snorting. I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Peaches is just too cute. But yeah, this gun looks really cool. The only yeah. downside is... It's not cheap. Dude, yeah. it's $7,500. Yeah. Yeah, which B&T, anybody who knows B&T, they know it's expensive. Mm-hmm. But I've never, ever met a single person that got a bnt and didn't love it hmm. that's good to so, know i don't own a single bnt but i think you're right i mean it's yeah i mean it's one of those things i guess buy once cry once thing but yeah. man i don't know seventy five hundred dollars yeah. oh these guns are just getting more and more expensive it sounds like peaches is hungry again i just she's okay she has a little stuffed animal her little mm-hmm. bunny and i joke and i'm like yeah that's a bad bunny because she just mistreats it and its eyes coming off, and I think she ripped off its nose. And so she's playing with it and throwing it in papers that I have spread out to do my taxes, which I haven't done yet. 
and she's just messing up all the paperwork. It's okay. No big deal. I just don't have time to, uh, organize it again. So what does it matter? Right? Peaches. I should record her. She's hilarious. All right. Franklin Armory. Lots of different binary triggers for lots of different platforms, including the CZ Scorpion. The trigger is made to be compatible with the new Evo 3 Plus and most of the older Evo 3 S's. If you haven't tried it out, it's so much fun. It's even fun just like trying to get the cadence down. Even if you don't have the cadence down, I've never had somebody shoot my gun in binary mode and not laugh afterwards. The trigger comes as a complete module to drop in for 519 but right now they're on sale for $467.99. And then on top of that, if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off. So pretty good deal. And that is franklinarmory.com. Today's AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. P80 is selling frames again. John, do you want to elaborate on this? Sure. So the frame and receiver rule has actually had several rulings against it recently out of Texas, which is a very good thing because we all know that ATF has no authority to rewrite legal definitions of Mm. things like they're trying to do with the frames and receivers and then braces obviously as well. But so the case that Polymer 80 is bringing They just got a preliminary injunction granted in favor of Polymer 80 because, you know, they challenged that the ATF overstepped its regulatory powers going around Congress to create these new rule changes. And the judge absolutely agreed with that. And he even said in his ruling, the statutory context repeatedly confirms that Congress intentionally chose not to regulate weapon parts generally. You know, Mm -hmm. these parts are parts. They are not firearms, and you cannot change legal definitions to make them be weapons that you can require these paperwork to be done. So the rule that this all came from Biden saying we need to eliminate ghost guns, you know, Mm -hmm. well, strangely enough, you know, he, of course, had his polymer 80 frame illegally at the time when he did that press release in the Rose Garden. But anyway, they don't follow the law. They don't care Mm -hmm. other than when it comes to us. But P80 and their plaintiffs, you know, there's some others attached to the case. They have this preliminary injunction ruled in favor. So Polymer 80 can now start selling their complete kits with jigs again. So if anybody had gotten anything from P80 in the past, you probably got an email from them saying that, hey, these are now available again. And now other sites are not, you know, they do not have this protection Mm -hmm. currently. So So it's just their website. It's just Polymer 80 and anybody else who was attached to the case. So same. So backing up just a little bit, you know, ATF, they issued this final rule. Okay. They didn't have the authority to do it, but they did it anyway. They went through the rulemaking process. They ignored everybody's input. And then they updated in December because at that point, you know, Polymer 80 had realized, hey, we can just sell our frames. They can go to another site and get the jig. And they didn't like that. And so 
They issued another letter in December stating that partially compete P-80s and other frames were firearms, even if not in a kit, because they could be readily completed. Mm -hmm. So again, changed the rules without any authority to do it. And in that one, they did not even follow the rulemaking process at all. They just issued a letter saying, you know, sent it out to the FFLs and everybody saying, you can't do this. Again, they have no authority to do that. It's direct violation of APA and... It's just illegal what they're doing. Yeah, I get it. So, so this was injunction's been issued. Polymer 80, they can sell again, but other sites are not covered for it yet. However, it's a very good thing going forward mm-hmm. because, you know, there's, I think there's been three rulings now against this rule, the constitutionality of it, which, you know, that's, that's very good when it gets before SCOTUS for them to you know, just shove it down the ATF's throat because they do not have this authority. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, good. All right, iTunes reviews. I don't know what's going on, but this has been like, I don't know, five weeks in a row. There's no, like not even a single review. I think something was busted because I did a little bit of work on the site and huh. one just came in today. Huh, interesting. Well, that's good. I mean, otherwise I'm just like, uh, I'm like, knock, knock. That's me knocking on the mic. Knock, knock. Anybody, anybody listening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think an update and a plugin had broken things. Huh. So. All right. Well, hopefully that's the case because if not, guys, if you haven't left a review, please do so. I have not sent out prize packs though in, I don't know, maybe it's been two months. I think. I don't know. It's been a little while and I need to do it. I actually am pre-recording this show, but when this comes out, I will be in Nashville with six hour, which I'm hoping to talk about that, um, the following show. And then, but I just have a lot of travel and all kinds of stuff going on lately, but I do apologize for that. But either way, I would still love to hear from you guys. And then as always, if you have any questions for me, let me know. You could just head on over to gunfunny.com. There's links for that. If you want to become a patron, support the show, it'd be greatly appreciated. It just gives back to the show, especially if you enjoy it. And Blown Deadline, he gives away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. $5 and up patrons get a patron-only patch that will never be for sale. And I also want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And... King of the Patreon is yours truly, Jon Snow. And all right, well, Raul, thank you for your time. John, thank you so much for your time. I think I'm going to go to the emergency room now because I've had a headache for like seven days and it just keeps getting worse. And I feel like I'm going to throw up and hopefully I'm better by the next show. <laughs> I laugh, but I'm I'm crying inside. <laughs> so be yeah, okay. I hope so. All right, guys, I will see you next week, and I look forward to telling you guys about my trip in Nashville. Stay tuned for that. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.